Welcome to Luke 21 Radio, a broadcast explaining biblical prophecy in the tradition of St. Augustine. And now, from Greenville, South Carolina, here's your host, Steve Wood. Hello, this is Steve Wood, and welcome to Luke 21 Radio. We're talking about biblical prophecy, and we're continuing our look at the early church fathers and what they said about biblical prophecy. We looked at the Didache, which the word simply means the teaching. It's the teaching of the 12 apostles preserved in the very, very early church. And the last chapter of the Didache talks about biblical prophecy and the end times. And biblical prophecy was a part of the baptismal preparation for all Catholics in the early centuries of the church. I think today you'd be kind of hard-pressed to get a really clear outline of what the future held, and they also wanted everyone to be aware of the deceits of the Antichrist whenever he would appear in the scene. So, this episode, we're continuing to look at the writings of the early church father by the name Hippolytus. He wrote the very first commentary on a complete book of the Bible in the year 204, and that was a commentary on the book of Daniel. And Daniel's a book of biblical prophecy, a key book of biblical prophecy. So it's very interesting. We have preserved for us kind of like a time travel going back to someone whose living memory was that reaching back, you'd say, almost to St. John. In other words, Hippolytus would have known people whose lives perhaps overlapped that of St. John, or at least their grandparents overlapped that of St. John. So we're not talking about a lot of distance here. This isn't 2,000 years apart. And Hippolytus, besides writing the commentary on the book of Daniel, we're talking about biblical prophecy there in Daniel, he also wrote a treatise on the Antichrist and basically collected some of the teachings in Daniel and Jesus's teachings in the Gospels. And then we have also preserved from the ancient world fragments, not complete works, of other writings. Okay, and today we're going to look at Hippolytus's writings regarding the Great Famine and what the Antichrist is going to do in the midst of that. Let me just start with kind of a general principle. I don't know if you're aware, but the Bible warns that pollution causes catastrophic calamities on the earth. And one of the key pollution verses in the Bible comes from Isaiah chapter 60, verses 5 and 6. It says this, the earth lies polluted under its inhabitants, for they have transgressed the law, violated the statutes, broken the everlasting covenant. Therefore, a curse devours the earth, and its inhabitants suffer for their guilt. Therefore, the inhabitants of the earth are scorched, and few men are left. There is a real pollution, and unfortunately, those who really care about our planet seem to ignore this major cause of pollution. You see, things are connected. God, people, earth, and I'm not talking about in kind of like a, a, a New Age, pantheistic type of view, but things are connected. And the earth 
and creation suffers from mankind's sin. And with that, let's go for a moment to the book of Revelation, and we're going to put a little background information down, and then we'll go right to what Hippolytus said about that in the year, around the year 200. In the book of Revelation, the, there are three sets of judgments, the sealed judgments, seven of them, seven trumpet judgments, and seven bowl judgments. And uh, particularly the seal and the trumpet judgments are somewhat similar, except the sealed judgments are intended to bring repentance on earth. It doesn't really work. And so you have an intensified series of judgments in the trumpet judgments. And in Revelation chapter 6, we read in the third seal and the fourth seal that there is going to be food shortages and famine. It says in Revelation chapter 6 that if you bought barley with a denarius, and that's just a day's wage, so you would put it in contemporary thought, uh, if you bought barley, it would take an entire day's wages for your three meals. In other words, everything, the money you could earn, all of it would have to go into your three meals. And if you bought wheat, this would be like moving from uh, oatmeal and peanut butter on crackers to uh, chili or hamburgers. So if you bought wheat, it would take 100% of your day's wages for a single meal. So let's try to imagine how this would be such a shock, even to Americans, where we have such an abundance of food in our markets. But according to the USDA, U.S. consumers in 2020 spent an average of 8.6% of their personal income on food. And that's divided between 5% of food cost at home and 3.6% of food away from home. The World Economic Forum, they also have stats on the United States, and they claim that Americans only spend 6.4% of their income on food. Again, according to Revelation 6, it will be not 8.6 or 6.4, but 100% of household income will go to provide for food during the food shortages. And then when you move from the third seal to the fourth seal, it says a fourth of mankind will die from the sword, that's war, famine, and pestilence. So things get seriously worse. And so you need to remember that what I'm giving you here, not everyone, but many voices you hear today from your Orthodox Catholic teachers, apologists, theologians, scripture scholars, there are what I've termed, and I've say this many times, but you got to get this because you listen to somebody like, oh, isn't that nice? Because there's a view called extreme preterism. There is a notion of preterism, which means what's listed, like I just mentioned in the book of Revelation, 
applies to the first century, to the actual situation that St. John was living in or the near future to St. John, in other words, the first century. And they'll say, no, you don't need to worry about this stuff. That's all first century. Well, that sounds great to a lot of ears today, and this is a very popular view, particularly of educated teachers and speakers and broadcasters, and yet Hippolytus was living in the year 200, again, within living memory of the text in Revelation. He's writing about what's going on in the book of Revelation. He says, "Uh uh-uh, this is yet future for its ultimate fulfillment. And that's why I'm basically bringing you Hippolytus. It's just a word from the early church. And the next time you hear somebody say, there's nothing to worry about, it's all first century, all I'm asking you is to keep an open mind that that could be terribly wrong. So let's strap in. Imagine you kind of uh, get in your your time machine. Imagine, this is really, to me, a gift. Uh, and you can find Hippolytus' teaching on the internet. Look for his commentary on Daniel, his treatise on the Antichrist, or his other writings. And uh, free, you can uh, buy these in print in collections of the early church fathers. Here's what he said in 204. Then after these things, and these things he's talking about the rise of the Antichrist. When the Antichrist first comes, he appears really nice, kind of your philanthropist, your peacemaker, you're kind of all around nice guy, okay? But then things start to turn uh, as he accumulates power. So after these things, Apollotus says, the heavens will not give their due, The clouds will not give their rain. The earth will refuse to yield its fruits. The sea shall be filled with stench. The river shall dry up. The fish of the sea shall die. Men shall perish of hunger and thirst. And father embracing son, mother embracing daughter will die together. There will be none to bury them. The whole earth will be filled with the stench arising from the dead bodies, and the sea, not receiving the floods of rivers, will become like mire and will be filled with unlimited smell and stench. There will be mighty pestilence upon the whole earth, an inconsolable lamentation and measureless weeping and unceasing mourning. Then men will deem those happy who are dead before them. So this is pretty serious stuff, wouldn't you say? And again, this was yet future from 204 AD. And now this is what he wants you to know. Then that abominable one, the Antichrist, will send his commands throughout every government and shall say, a mighty king has risen upon the earth. Come ye all to worship him. Come ye all to see the strength of his kingdom, for behold, he will give you corn, and he will bestow upon you wine and great riches and lofty honors, for the whole earth and sea obeys his commands. Come ye all to him, and by reason of the scarcity of food, all will go to him and worship him. And 
He will put his mark on their right hand and on their forehead. And from that time, he shall be attached to the deceiver, that is, those who take the mark, and shall serve him. And for that person, there is no repentance, but such a one is lost at once to God and man. And his seal upon the forehead and upon the right hand is the number 600, threescore, and six. And in order to take the mark, you will say an oath similar to this. I deny the maker of heaven and earth. I deny the baptism. I deny my former service and attach myself to thee, and I believe in thee. In other words, I find this very unique. What is going to be the motivation for people to come to the Antichrist and receive the mark? Yes, he will do great, mighty miracles and everything else, but, I mean, why would you go and get your oath so you get your authorized mark so you can buy and sell food. It's kind of like uh, like if you had translated to today's world, your smartphone passport to buy and sell. People are starving from hunger due to the sin upon the earth. They don't repent, and to make matters worse, the Antichrist offers a plan of feeding the starving in return for getting his mark, which seals a person to hell for all eternity. I'm Steve Wood, your host, and you've been listening to episode 242 of Luke 21 Radio. More on this in our next episode. Luke 21 is a radio outreach of Family Life Center International. To learn more about biblical prophecy, visit us online at luke21.com.